0: Good morning, and welcome. We're here this morning to hear argument in the case of Duke Energy, Indiana, LLC, appellant versus Bellwether's property, LLC, individually on behalf of all other similarly situated appellee. It's a civil transfer case. Transfer has not been granted. Council for the Appellate, Bellwethers will argue first. And representing the appellee at Council Table, we have William Riley. Good morning, Mr. Riley. And also, have Lonnie Johnson. Good morning, Ms. and welcome, Mr. Johnson, and Russell Kate. Good morning and welcome, Mr. Kate. Representing Duke Energy at Council Table, we have Maggie Smith. Good morning and welcome, Ms. Smith, and Darren Craig. Welcome as well. Council, as we've been conducting oral arguments, we allow roughly around two minutes before we m- may start asking questions. Are you ready to proceed? Thanks. All right, Mr. Riley, you're up.
1: May hey, I please support. Uh, it's an honor to appear before all of you, and I would like to and hope to uh, present the reason why you should accept transfer on this matter. The issue here is I'm gonna whether. I ask you just to speak up a little bit. Okay. Right. Thank you whether a regulated utility can physically take or appropriate a property owner's land without compensation to meet its legal duty under the Indiana Administrative Code. And in particular, whether the, whether Duke Energy's direction to Bellwether, that it could not build it on its own property outside of Duke Energy's easement, constituted a physical taking or appropriation by Duke Energy. The background of this situation is Bellwether became an owner of real property in Bloomington and it was acquired in 2004. In 1957, a 10-foot easement had been granted to Duke's predecessor that was on Bellwether's land. 170 IAC 4126B incorporated the National Electric Safety Code which dictates to utilities that they must keep their overhead conductors at least 12.5 feet from any building. Duke is a regulated utility. That's clear under 170 IAC 412, and also the Court of Appeals holding in Holding versus i m Electric Company. In 2013, Bellwether contacted Duke's representative about building a warehouse on its land for the necessity of running power to that warehouse. Bellwether's engineer then met with Duke's representative and was informed that they could not build their building on Bellwether's land because Duke said it violated the National Electric Safety Code. Bellwether's property <coughs> was where Bellwether was going to build its warehouse. So it's clearly on Bellwether's land. It is outside of the easement that would, had been granted to Duke's predecessor.
2: Is it the case that Duke's line remains within the easement?
1: That's and, absolutely correct, Your Honor.
2: So, so, so what's the physical invasion here? If, if their lines are within their easement, how, how is that invading your property?
1: Well, they're informing us what we can and cannot do on our property. It's Duke's obligation under the IAC to maintain 12.5 feet of distance from its conductors from any building that's being built. The current easement on that side is only 5 feet, so Duke was required to have 7.5 feet clearance from its wires or its conductors from any building. So what Duke has done is it has told us what we can and cannot do on our land in order for it to meet its regulation. But, but Duke, follow- is, simply, Go ahead, Duke
2: is simply following the, the regulation from the IURC that it's subject to, right? That is so, so, why, so why is that Duke's taking as opposed to, if there's a taking at all, why isn't the IURC the, the one who did the taking?
1: The IURC only regulates utilities, Your Honor, so the IURC does not have the competence to take the land from Bellwether. That was part of the underlying problem in the Court of Appeals opinion. We don't really know who's regulating Bellwether's land. And by using regulation, I don't mean that as the United States Supreme Court has
3: used the term regulation. Council, don't you need governmental action for there to be a taking? Well, actually, under um,
1: Indiana Code 8-1-8-1, uh, Duke has the ability to condemn land and so that is within their competence that's been granted to them as a utility. Utilities have this ability. But,
2: but so do railroads, but that's talking about eminent domain power, actually fit, acquiring title to, to real estate.
1: Correct, and that's what they should have done here, Your Honor. What they're doing is they're taking a property owner and they're forcing the property owner what they can do on their property so that Duke can meet its regulation. I mean, the fundamental thing here is Bellwether is not a regulated uh, regulated utility. The only regulations that are at work here, the only law that is at work here, applies solely to Duke, but Duke has outsourced its obligations under the law to Bellwether by telling Bellwether what it can and cannot do on its property.
2: So is it the communication itself that represents the taking in your view? Yes. So, what if Bellwether? I'm sorry. What if Duke had remained silent? They simply let you build the, your your um, your warehouse um, within the the, uh, the uh, clearance limit. Said nothing. Let you build the thing, and then, and then and then then Duke, the regulated entity, is um, in violation of those clearance lines. That's a, and they exercise. They do what they need to do then to comply with the regulation. They move their their line, and then charge you for it as their uh, authorized to do by IURC. Is it a taking by Duke under those circumstances, or is it a taking by IURC?
1: It's a taking by Duke because, first of all, they can't charge us to move their line to meet their obligations. Well, IURC
2: says they can. Now, we can quibble whether that's an appropriate exercise of their authority or not, but that's they, they certainly well, have that authority under the, under the IURC's regulations.
1: I think I would disagree, Justice Slaughter. I think what could happen is in situations where buildings are built and there's, a situa- there's an easement, they can request that the lines be buried and the building owner can then pay for the lines to be buried. Say they're putting a building right at the easement line. Here, that, that brings up the point that there are options available.
0: I'm really struggling with shoehorning this case into a taking. So, you know, it, it seems it's very much on the um, regulatory side. There are options available, changing the slope of the roof, moving the building, or paying, um, which I believe I read the law similar to what Justice Slaughter does that Duke would have, would get reimbursement from your client. <coughs> How is this a physical taking? And I've not found any other case um, across the country that would say that the the safety regulation, which Duke was obligated to follow, constitutes a physical taking of the underlying property. What case do you think out, that is out there that's closest to this?
1: Well, I think from the the aspect, first I'll talk about an Indiana case from this court, Indiana Toll Road Commission versus Jankovic, which had to do with the familiar with that case but it, 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 it it's not on all four. it's not even it's not even on all threes with this case well bear with me Chief Justice okay. what I'm going to say is because takings law has advanced over the development of this nation technology has advanced you know no one would have considered the ability of planes needing a glide path over land to constitute uh, a taking but under Cosby the United States Supreme Court has said such a thing exists now the The framers of the United States Constitution, let alone the framers of the Indiana Constitution, would not have seen air travel. So we have to recognize that developments in science and in technology dictate that law must develop, too, with regard to what constitutes a taking.
2: But at, at least in Cosby, there was a physical invasion of the airspace. What's the
1: physical invasion here by Duke? It's an appropriation, Your Honor. I mean, I think we can, you can look at it it's a restriction
2: on your cl- it's a restriction on your clients' use of the way he wants to, to put his property to use but they're not doing any physical invasion themselves
1: but is all is it is a taking always constituted as a physical invasion I mean there are Supreme Court cases justice Slaughter, uh, Cedar Point nursery versus Hassad where it's a regulation that the Supreme Court found to be a physical in, invasion. in
2: which they in which others in which union members got to come onto the physical property
1: that that is correct your honor but what i'm what i'm trying to say is that we're dealing with a situation where a utility says to someone that they can't build on their land now well, well, do they exa- have for example
2: the, 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 your client is in bloomington bloomington has setback ordinances you can't build right up to the property line is that uh, is that a taking does that so limit the ability of your client to use its property that that's also a taking well, those, and if not why
1: not those Those are, in fact, not takings because they are under the law. There there are different zoning ordinances that are constituted that property owners are subject to. Well, But who
2: says a zoning ordinance is is immune from takings law, but somehow utility regulations and safety code restrictions under the electrical code are not? What's the the basis for distinguishing those?
1: Well, for the sake of, of argument, I would say that the zoning ordinance, and any zoning ordinance, obligates the property owner. It could be a taking, but in this case, there is no obligation on the property owner here. I mean, I think that's what I want to come back fundamentally to, is the fact that the IURC, the Indiana Administrative Code, nothing has any authority over Bellwether's land. There's nothing in any of these laws that dictates that Bellwether is obligated to listen to Duke.
2: So if if Bloomington's municipal code had enacted this safety regulation, that would be fine?
1: Well, yes, because it's been enacted under their jurisdiction. I don't think they could do it for a utility, but they could do it for other sorts of things.
0: You know, is 170 IAC 4-1-2060, would you you agree it was a valid exercise of police power?
1: Yes, I would say that, yes, it was. Police power with regard to the utility.
0: If we don't find that this is a physical taking, if we find that it's, a regular, that it's a regulatory taking, you, we asked with regard to the follow-up briefing, what test, and you had um, stated the professor's test, but that test only applies under the Fifth Amendment into physical takings, do you agree? I agree with that. So if we find that this is a regulatory, and maybe, maybe, or maybe not, a taking, you would lose, correct?
1: Chief Justice, I never like to concede I would lose under any argument, but nevertheless, the argument that we have made is that it is a physical taking. And but if
0: it's a ar- good it it, make the argument. The first thing we're looking at do, does the Indiana Constitution give more? I mean, is it more protective or less protective? We also got the police power in there. And if it's a regulatory taking, tell me how you, if we find it's that, tell me how you, you could still win.
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you how I can still win, Your Honor, because Duke has said it's not a regulatory taking, and I don't know who's, who's doing the taking. That's my fundamental problem with the Court of Appeals' opinion. It's my fundamental... Isn't it problem. IURC's regulation? It doesn't apply to my property owner. It applies to the property. It
0: applies to the property itself, correct? It regulates, but for the utility line in there, the utility has the easement, and this applies to the easement line that's
1: on the property. Correct. It applies to the utilities easement on the property and the line, but it doesn't apply outside of the easement. And that's the problem. We're out There's so 7 many point laws one.
0: that this will affect. Because if we would find in your favor, you're looking at sewer lines, that there are all kinds of regulations on property, some that would, may go to a different entity than the property owner itself, but it affects your property, and it's part of um, the police power that, that we're contemplating. So if we would find in your favor that unless it directly says, it doesn't say it affects the utility, which in effect, you've got the utility line on your property, it affects the property, it's going to affect a lot of other
1: laws. It, that'd be a pretty broad holding, correct? A lot of other regulations. Well, Chief Justice, I don't know if it would be broad because it would depend on the nature of the utility and how it's regulated and what's said to be regulated. in
0: right, a lot of utilities are regulated, correct? Correct. So, any regulated utility um, would have no effect. I mean, that would be a taking in every case because it's on land that's not regulated under the regulation. Our our utilities are highly regulated. Would you agree? Correct,
1: and if the utility is told that it has to do something that would be outside of its easement, then yes, Chief Justice, it would be the same situation. But the remedy for that is not to punish the property owner. The remedy is for the utility to expand its easement. That's the only thing that's required here to bring them into compliance. And
4: Your argument seems to hinge on the notion that uh, what Duke has done is expand its easement. But I can't think of any other example where an easement involves restricting the use of neighboring land. You know, normally it's to ac- to, to actually physically come onto that land to, to access something else or to do something with your own property. This seems much more akin to a setback requirement or a restrictive covenant if it were a contract. Am I missing something? Is is there another example of an easement that restricts the neighboring or the, the,
1: the uh, servient? Uh, Not that I can think of, Justice Malter, but that's why I said this is akin more to an appropriation. I mean, I think there is, within the United States Supreme Court precedent, and one can certainly say that it has evolved over time and evolves to meet situations, is that if someone tells someone with the authority to do so, authority insofar as the ability, you need electricity in this day and age, not to do something on their land, then I would say that is an appropriation. It's not like But but it's
4: not an expansion of an easement.
1: That's what... Well, that is actually what I I think that they have done here by default. They have expanded their easement to an additional 12.5 feet and not paid for it to meet their regulation. We are not a regulated entity. There is no police power that applies to bellwether. There's just not. We're not regulated, there's no police power, there's no, there's no law that allows them to do this. So that's my problem with the Court of Appeals opinion. What is it? I would say it's an appropriation which falls under the current rubric as a taking, physical taking.
3: Counsel, under the federal constitution, the, the uh, test as I understand it, uh, when it comes to regulatory taking, is whether um, the property has been um, ha- has lost all economic a uh, value, uh, all, all deprivation. Should the Indiana Constitution um, contemplate a, a, a more generous standard of, say, some economic deprivation? And if so, why?
1: Uh, my time is run. May I answer your question, Justice? In this situation, if the court were to find it a, a regulatory taking, which... Um, I would think that you would establish the same, same sort of approach that has been utilized by the United States Supreme Court. I think that is if the way that it should, it should be handled because of the nature of regulatory matters. I mean, I wish I could give you a different argument, but I think because regulation is so pervasive in our society <clears throat> that the analysis that the Supreme Court has done on regulations is appropriate. And I'm not sure that the Indiana Constitution should be more expansive than that. That's my honest feeling and that's why I I believe this, nevertheless, to be a physical taking and have staked my flag on that hill.
0: All right, thank you. We'll hear from you again on rebuttal. Ms. Smith.
5: We ask this court to deny transfer for the simplest of reasons, which is bellwether cannot come up with any legal theory that would provide it relief, whether it's under the federal constitution or under the Indiana constitution. Now, this court has picked up on this issue already. Bellwether cannot meet regulatory taking. So even though this is a regulatory taking, Bellwether is trying to shoehorn it into a physical taking. And essentially, as this court just noted, if you were to remove the requirement of an actual physical presence, physical appropriation, physical encroachment, it would open up physical takings to virtually every single law that is passed. The setback was perfect example, and that's almost exactly what we have here. What a setback does is it says, you own this property. This is your property, but you can't use a certain portion of it, because we have deemed under our police powers for that to be appropriate. That is the exact same thing that we have here.
2: Do, Do I understand correctly that Duke Energy is not alleging that Bellwether has sued the wrong defendant?
5: We absolutely have alleged that. We believe that Bellwether, if there is a constitutional taking here, it is the result of the IURC, and that's who should have been sold. We do not enact this regulation. We do not enforce it. We didn't have anything to do with it. We are bound by it. But that then brings in, and Bellwether said multiple times, they have absolutely no obligations under this regulation, and that's just because what you have to remember is the property basis by which we are here, and that is this is an easement. Duke has easement rights. Duke uh, got this easement for the sole purpose of safe transmission of electricity. As the servient estate, Bellwether cannot do anything that interferes with the safe transmission of electricity. Duke, the IURC, determined before Bellwether ever bought this property that safe transmission of electricity requires seven and a half foot horizontal clearances to structures. Therefore in order for Duke to be able to safely transmit electricity along its easement, there has to be that 7.5.
0: Do you, so when you say your request is that we deny transfer, uh, the, you're comfortable with the tests. That was set forth in that Art in Kimco, that Article One, um, Section Twenty-One is akin to the, to a Fifth Amendment an- analysis. Because you ha- you stated different test. Yes,
5: so I'm an, I'm going to answer this um, very intentionally. I think the supplemental briefing unequivocally revealed that we have strayed far from the intent of the framers in Indiana. And however, I'll answer this in three parts. We still who's the transfer- who's the we. We, Duke Energy, sorry, Duke still believes transfers should be denied for two pragmatic reasons. One, if a change in Indiana constitutional law is necessary, then it should be done in a case where the largest stakeholders are either parties, given the opportunity to intervene, or given the opportunity to be amicus. Here, we do not have the state of Indiana any of its agencies, Department of Transportation, any cities or towns, any local units of government who have weighed in on this issue. And they're the ones who are most affected. So respectfully, we suggest this is not the right case. So
0: that would be yes to my question. Yes,
5: you're comfortable right now keeping that the same. Right now, comfortable. I, I, it's it's perhaps not accurate, but it represents, at the time, the statement was absolutely correct in Kimco. And, you know, there's kind of the trilogy, Cheatham, then Biddle, then Kimco. At that time, Indiana law had morphed into the federal law. That's not how it started. No, actually, that's not true. Indiana and federal law started exactly the same back in the 1800s and the early 1900s. Exactly the same on all counts. What happened is in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, the federal analysis changed, and Indiana stayed the same until about the 1960s, when Indiana basically and, and it changed in
3: a way that that better protected property owners. It
5: did, your right? Owner.
3: So this is one of those rare instances where, um, at least according to your briefing, um, the Indiana Constitution may actually provide less protection than the federal one. In that, yes. and that, and when our predecessors said in Kimco that our analysis is the same as under federal law, they are actually expanding the rights of Hoosiers.
5: Absolutely. And when you go back and you read Biddle, um, what the court completely straight on said was, it looked at the Indiana test that I put into our supplemental briefing, particularly the one about the, it's got to be more than a merely consequential injury, and you've got to have more. And, And the Supreme Court in Biddle said, we basically feel that provides nothing. So you don't think they there's do any re-
3: you don't think there's any reason we should go any farther than that uh, in in the expansion of those property rights. I do not. And that this is not the right case to You're do so in not. any event.
5: Because of that, your honor, I do not. Yes.
2: How exactly has the Supreme Court of the United States expanded takings law in such a pro-property owner fashion?
5: Well, okay. Let, let, when let, When's let, the last
2: let, time a property owner won a takings claim under Penn Central, for example?
5: That. that I guess. I mean, you're I claiming this is a regulatory. Ta- you're
2: claiming this is a regulatory taking. That's the regulatory taking analysis. How does a property order win under Penn Central, so which I'd requires a that. substantial diminution in property value?
5: Theoretically the test was expanded for this reason. Up until first 1922, but really 1978, there was no separate regulatory takings analysis. And in fact, the United States Supreme Court followed what Indiana does, which says, if you enact it in the course of your police powers, we're done, you have no recourse. The Supreme Court got frustrated with that and changed to basically say, we now have what we're gonna call the regulatory takings analysis. Now, I'll agree with you, Your Honor. In practice, it really hasn't provided much
2: I mean, there, There's a Lucas taking, which requires right. no remaining value. Right. There's a regulatory taking under Penn Central, which requires a substantial diminution in value. Yes. But the question, I guess, is, um, and, you know, you're inviting us to decide this question in another case, fair enough, but in that other case, why should we not consider changing Indiana constitutional law to say it doesn't require just a substantial diminution, any diminution in value that's more than de minimis, it amounts to a taking. Now the, the recovery may, may may well be modest, it may be small, but there's a taking under those circumstances. Well, what would be wrong with that kind of a approach? I think
5: what, what would be wrong with it, Your Honor, is it would be contrary to what this court, going back 150 years, has said the analysis is under the Indiana Constitution. We do not have what is is referred to as a living Constitution analysis. And that is what the feds use a lot. And in Indiana, we are an originalist intent. And we look back to what did the framers say about it? What was the state of affairs going on at the time? And as the case law says, we pay particular attention to the cases that were decided right after the Constitution. So
2: under your view, what is the only form of taking that existed in 1851? Simply an, an eminent domain?
5: You you, you still had inverse condemnation in in 1851 and continuing. Really, Indiana Takings Law under the eminent, uh, under in an inverse condemnation was in a very limited circumstance, and it was where the law or regulation was not one that affected true police powers, which goes to safety, welfare. It was a law and a regulation that was passed, but it dealt just with legislative abilities. I'll give you an example. Um, the town of Wabash decided to dam the river. And as a result, water, as a result of the dam, water came into a property owner's yard and stayed there forever. The court recognized this damming was not a police power, it was expedient. It was something that legislatively could do. It wasn't a police power. So you had to go through Indiana's test, which is, is there a physical appropriation, a physical invasion? Yes, this water permanently sits on my property now. And then you had to go the next step, was is the injury that you are experiencing more than merely consequential or a necessary result of the state action? And in that case, the court said no that this is more than merely consequential and it is not a necessary result. Therefore, the court found there was a taking by virtue of inverse condemnation and the governing entity had to pay damages to that owner. So
4: what's the significance of the debate in 1851 about whether the language should cover a taking versus uh, taking or damage in other state constitutions that use the broader phrase?
5: It was very significant for this reason. A lot of the cases that have been cited by Bellwether and from other jurisdictions, and that are cited in some of the briefs in Indiana, not ours, a lot of those come from jurisdictions that do have the language in their constitution that, that doesn't require an absolute taking, that says if a governmental entity injures or damages your property, you're liable for compensation that is an incredibly low standard compared to the is that a taking the taking. just a tort? I'm sorry, is that a, is that a taking or just a tort? Uh, what? The the states that have that provision in their constitution have put it in the provision on takings and so it is analyzed as a taking. But the distinction is made and, and it, it's an awkward analysis because the court says it's not a taking, instead it's for injury and damage. But what these states do is it's a matter of degree. A taking requires there to be some type of physical presence. Or in the regular con- regulatory context, that's when you, use, you lose the use of your property. So to change some of the facts in this, because it seems like under this that
0: regulatory takings are rare or never change some of the facts here, or parties, what would, what, would be, what would make this case a regulatory taking?
5: Let me just state and I don't want to muddy the waters. We actually believe that if there is any takings here, it is a regulatory taking. So
0: change taking. the facts, or the parties, and say, what would constitute under your belief of what um, amounts to regulatory
5: taking? I, so, going back to setbacks, setbacks can be a regulatory taking if it rises to the level where you meet the test that Justice Massa talked about, which was you have no use of your property or all economic value is gone. So you can have. So it regulations. has to be absolute. It, it is pretty high. Um, the, it's really high. It well, is, and and I will acknowledge that there have been some cases that have come out of the Supreme Court that have made all of us kind of scratch our head, um, probably in, in many respects taken too far. As a matter of Indiana constitutional law, however, because of the way we analyze claims, we've never in Indiana just created a test out of whole cloth in the 1990s or the 2000s to govern Indiana constitutional law. What this court has said repeatedly is if you feel the constitutional analysis is outmoded, or out of date, we have an amendment process and we use it in Indiana and it works. If you think that there should be more protection against governmental authority with eminent domain, there are two ways to impact it. And another important one is remember that the ability to have eminent domain is a sovereign power. The Constitution puts limits on it But the Constitution is not the only way you limit eminent domain powers. You can limit it by legislation. If eminent domain gets out of hand in Indiana, we don't need the Constitution. We can go to the General Assembly, and the General Assembly can say, here are the parameters that you can take property. And if you don't meet these parameters, you can't take it. And the case law all says because the Constitution does not provide the grant of authority for eminent domain, it can be restricted by the legislature however it wants.
2: What happens if next year, for example, in 2024, the IURC decides to adopt the latest version of the National Electric Safety Code, which requires, pick a number, 50 feet, 100 foot clearance, which interferes with their existing warehouse that they, they modified to comply with the 2002 version of the safety code 2024 it expands even further and now they're in in the, in the they interfere with that that modified clearance yet again what what what, what result How, what what does property owner like bellwether do under those circumstances when there's an existing structure that now is in the
5: so the, if you read the language of the regulations, it only applies to new construction. So there's a built-in grandfathering in these IURC regs. So if they do change it to be 50 feet down the road, there's a built-in grandfathering, but... So so much for safety, if, if you've got an structure, No, I think it's pragmatism, but there's also, along those lines, and I think that Chief Justice Rush noted this, there were many other options here. The exact same statute... Options for whom? Options for both bellwether, for primarily bellwether, that some involved do. For example, in the exact same statute that creates this regulatory, this regulation, subsection C specifically authorizes that a variance can be requested. And so there are a procedures. From whom? Of you, you, you request the variance from the IURC, and it's particular to this rule. And do, this do they rule, seek the variance or do you? They come to us and we seek it on their behalf. And it's important to remember that we had this conversation
2: with- So you're describing yourselves as being the agents of the IURC, which is exactly their theory of the case here.
5: Not, I mean, to the extent that we are the regulated entity, there's no way around that, we are. And therefore, because of that, we do have certain frontline responsibilities. And, you know, for example here, it was Bellwether's own engineer that realized, uh-oh, our current plans are too close to these lines. They came to to Duke and Duke said, you know, yeah, the code, the NESC, you're too close. That's the last we heard of Bellwether. Bellwether never came back and said, can you work with us? Bellwether could have just changed the slope. It didn't have to cut its property. It could have moved it a little bit. There were many things that could happen here. And that's my point. Duke works with its customers. This isn't the only time this has come up. We work with the customers. We try to do everything we can. There are also some things where if if Bellwether had been dead set, it has to be right here. You know, could we raise the lines a little bit, bury them? Yes, there'll be costs, but Duke works with its customers. It's important to Duke to do so. And Duke was never given the opportunity here because Bellwether just ran off, did what it wanted, took a action that didn't have to take, and then turned around and said, Duke, you're responsible. But under both the tariff and the eminent domain laws, that's just not accurate because Bellwether had an obligation to maintain that easement in a way that Duke could provide energy safely. And the regulations say that's with a 7.5 clearance, horizontal clearance, and therefore, by virtue of its easement responsibilities, Bellwether is directly affected by this regulation.
2: What's the status of the class action request? Uh, it
5: is gone nowhere. It's, what? it's gone nowhere. It's just sitting Has, there waiting for resolution here. They did see class certification. No, they have not. I-
4: so I'm not alleg- involved
5: in the trial, so I will kind of ask my trial counsel here.
4: So there's an allegation,
5: but no motion to certify? No motion to certify yet. It, it's gone. to so that I sort of was right. It's gone nowhere yet. Um, but again, you know, that, that is another interesting aspect to this case. If, in fact, as counsel just said to you, that it was the statement of Duke Energy which constituted the takings, how could this possibly be a class action? Because then that means that every single plaintiff is going to have to have had a similar statement in order for there to be a taking, and so the reality is this case has morphed. It, it's really not a class action. Of course, we're it here to was.
2: argue about the taking, not whether class certification is. Wrong.
5: Absolutely, but it, it's the background because I do think it's important. Just like you know, the court asked, "What's the effect on?" the hundreds of thousands of regulations out there that govern sewers, that govern every single regulated utility. What's the effect in this case if we do what Bellwether was asking? It's the same thing. If if what Bellwether is asking in this case is not only declare a taking, but then make it a class action, it, it absolutely magnifies, it morphs the case into something that is unwieldy and just not appropriate, this is a case involving a regulatory taking, if anything. But Bellwether cannot meet the standards for a regulatory taking. So they're trying to put, we said this in our brief, a square peg into a round hole. There has, Your Honor, I've looked for them too, there's not a single case that is anywhere close to this because it just isn't a taking, a physical taking when you do not step foot on the property, you do not come into contact with it at all. For that reason, Your Honor, we ask that you deny transfer and let the opinion by Judge Shepherd stand.
0: All right, thank you, counsel. Thank you. Mr. Riley, rebuttal.
1: Uh, just to brief it aside on the class issue, I was intending to move for class certification after the summary judgment hearing in order to avoid the risk of a fail-safe class. So if this matter returns, I will be filing a motion for that. I want to return briefly to, I've heard a lot about police powers and things like that. There is no regulation of bellwether by any police power that's been articulated in any law. As a matter of fact, the only law that is articulated in this case is 170 IAC 4126B, which says that the utility must keep its conductors away from buildings. The Court of Appeals opinion said the buildings have to be kept away from the conductors. That's not what the NESC says. And the NESC is incorporated into the Indiana Administrative Code. So the only entity that is being, has police power applied to it is Duke, not Bellwether, and not Bellwether's land. Counsel, on a different point, could you
4: respond to the argument about the options available to your client? Why not just change the slope of the roof or something like that?
1: I think it's fundamental, Your Honor. It's our land. We don't have to change anything.
4: We but that—that's the only reason for not changing it. Just we don't want to. It Correct. Not, it wasn't more expensive, or it wouldn't have cut down on the square footage available, or anything like that.
1: You mean no? We, I mean, the reason we did change it in order to get the power for our, our warehouse, but we are not required to meet Duke's burden under the IURC. I mean, that's 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 the fundamental issue I have. And going to well, Justice, I, I just want to be clear because I'm
4: not sure I, I oh. quite understood that. So, was there an option available to change the slope of the roof, which would have allowed? Um, the building to be outside the strike zone, but also not cut down on the square footage of the warehouse?
1: I don't believe so, Your Honor, but I don't recall it in the record, so I'm reluctant to make a statement to you that that's the case.
0: The hold, the, the decision in holding versus an electric company, where the Indian law recognizes the exercise of safe practices in the operation of high-voltage transmission lines as one of the incidents to the use and enjoyment of the easement. How does that law apply to your argument that that regulating the easement
1: itself I think is that, proper. That actually makes our argument. What happened is the uh, survey attendant went onto the easement and dumped a bunch of fill dirt and then drove a uh, vehicle onto it which came in contact with the wire on the easement causing a disruption in electricity. And so that's a situation that's on the easement. If we were on Duke's easement, We would be guilty of that, but we're not on Duke's easement, and holding actually supports us, not Duke, because Duke is telling us what we can do outside of their easement. If they need more room for their easement, there's a process to expand it. And going to your point, Justice Slaughter, I would direct this court's attention, going far back from Kimco, it doesn't exactly place this in 1851, but Brown v. State, this court articulated the following. It may be said that there is a taking when the act involves an actual interference with or disturbance of property rights, which are not merely consequential or incidental injuries to property or property rights, as distinguished from prohibition of use or enjoyment or construction, uh, destruction of interest. That's this Court's articulation of what our 1851 Constitution means. And under that, it's far different than if you just say that they put something on the land, a physical occupation. It is more expansive, this Court's articulation is far more expansive of the 1851 Constitution as of 1937 than Kimco. Thank you, Your Honors.
0: Council on behalf of my colleagues, just an excellently argued and brief um, issue that you brought before. We will be discussing the case, with the first issue being whether we grant transfer, and issuing an opinion, of course. Thank you very much. This concludes the oral argument. All right.